lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, filling out mock drafts leading up to the actual draft in April, filling out March Madness brackets that are going to be dumpster fires within the first weekend of the tournament here. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a wash party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Uh, got a great show, as always. Download, subscribe, rate, review. I don't say it for my health. Leave us a five-star rating. Mm. Check us out live here Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. On the DraftKings YouTube channel, DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV Plus, Roku, and more. Uh, Jason Fitz going to join us in the second hour of the show to do an exercise, Dad, that I, he used to do at ESPN. I used to take part in with him that I always thought was pretty fun. We've got the college football playoff rankings and the committee going on right now in that sport. We're going to try and apply that logic to the NFL right now. We've had a lot <laughs> of discussions this week about who the actual best team in pro football is, especially in a loaded AFC right now with some of those teams changing up top. So we're going to try and apply some of that same logic, strength of schedule, head to head matchups, quality wins, who you've lost to, mix that all in a bag between best and most deserving and figure out who should make the NFL playoff in week uh, nine or whatever it is. I, I was looking at a, a, a watching a bunch of different shows yesterday and looking at different analysts ranking teams. Now, I saw some that had Philadelphia ranked fourth in the league, and I'm like, what the hell is going on fourth? So all kind of different logic going on as people are ranking teams. So why not bring in the college football way of doing it to try and rank them? Because you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's just the way we're going to try and do it until it all plays out on the field, which is usually what happens. Well, and the college football way of doing it has never produced any issues or problems that people have with that system at all or that way of going about <laughs> things at all as we will get to um, some other problems in the world of college football because the Michigan thing just will not stop. Although, oh boy. we've got a spicy new addition to this that I really like. Uh, but speaking of spicy, Dad, uh, I just need to put my hand up right now. We say all the time in sports, there's that difference between are you playing hurt or are you playing injured? I am definitely playing hurt today. Uh I have had some instances in recent years where I felt more of my age than ever before. And last night, for the first time in a while, I went out to dinner with a couple of buddies of mine to Fogo de Chao, that Brazilian steakhouse where they bring around the meat to you at the tables, and you got the the green tab, and you can flip it over to the red tab. They still have that, right? The green and red? Keep it coming, keep it coming. They still have that. Okay. I'm amazed, though. The re- so the red stoplight means nothing to them now. They just kept bringing the meat out there. It really? was salt of meats going on out there. They did not care because they knew. They knew deep down in places I don't talk about at parties. I wanted more meat on that wall. I needed more meat on that wall. The problem right, is now, right. Dad, I woke up this morning, and my body mm-hmm. is a furnace. We all know about the meat sweats. It is 55 yep. degrees outside here in Southern California, and I feel like I'm dying. All of my joints hurt, so I am finding out the hard way that now as a 34 year old my body does not respond very well to that much red meat i have a question because i've never been so obviously they bring the meat around that's the main attraction but like are we talking do you have sides going on as well like what's the deal okay yes yeah Everything salad. They're actually very, they have you, a you very could, good yeah. salad yes. bar there that you can they tap really into. do. It just feels like you're wasting space when you know you've got this much meat on the way. Yeah, okay. that's exactly right. It, it is a beautiful salad bar, Jesse. But 
it's like, do I go there and then I fill up and then I can have less meat? I mean, it's a real conundrum uh, that you're in there because it is a lovely salad bar. Yeah, the place I want, I want to go there, Mike, and you would understand this as well with uh, your your brother-in-law, my son-in-law Ben, Sydney's husband, who is a meat-eating freak. I, I don't think he knows how to turn the paddle to red. Uh, if he were in that place. So I would be looking forward to that. And Mike, you're just finding out in other states. Jesse, I'm sure you'll go through this as well. Take it from the 60-year-old man. I mean, there are those stages we all go through. Uh, you know, from leaving college and all of a sudden two days out of college, you can't handle drinking past nine o'clock anymore. You know, it, it's amazing how quickly that happens. And then there are other milestones along the way until I'm 60, until you just go numb and just realize changes are going to happen. You just deal with it along the way. And Mike, you're just hitting another one right now because I hit him almost every day. 60 hit me. I felt pretty good and I feel pretty good. But 60 hit me with the joints. You know, getting the knee replaced and maybe getting the shoulder replaced and just everything finally felt like all the operations, everything finally felt like they caught up. I thought I was holding it off pretty well, but now it seems like it's here and I'm going to have to deal with all that. So it's just stages you're hitting and, and you just found another one. Don't eat 10 pounds of meat before you go to bed. Yeah. What a novel concept here. We will see yeah. if I can abide by those new rules. I'm not sure I can, because as I proved last night, especially when they came around with that dessert menu after all of that, oh. I can burst <laughs> through my limits, much like Goku in the Tournament of Power. I will always find a way. You had dessert after an endless yeah, meat I, buffet? You have to have dessert. So there's Jesse. a separate stomach that exists yeah. for ice cream yeah. that yeah. I think kind of supersedes anything in that situation right there. I can always fit more of that in. The rest of that dessert probably would have been off the table, but the ice cream I've always got more room for. I can't explain it, Jesse, but that's just the science of my body. I, I, I can explain it, Jesse. After you have just a meal, right, we'll say there's no dessert, as you're leaving and going home, you get that taste that, like, I need something a little bit sweet, you know? And then if you go home, you're going to grab something that might be at your house anyway. And, you know, it's just something you would have. Why not take care of that at the restaurant when they have different kinds of desserts? So I'm always finding a way to stuff in the extra there to get dessert. Just just for the way that the, the taste in my mouth. Just because you need <laughs> it. Yeah. Makes sense. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. There you make perfect there sense, right? Checks out. <laughs> yeah. And that you know what that is? That's the logic of a type two diabetic. That's called boy math. <laughs> yeah, that's called boy math. That is yeah. boy math. Yeah. That, that is, is legitimate boy math. Boy math. Yeah. 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 Uh, now, well, now that we've done the calculus on why you're gonna watch me slowly soak through this Stugatz <laughs> army shirt during the body of the show, <laughs> let's get to uh, a Thursday staple around here. We're getting ready, we're close to the NFL weekend, uh, and that means it's time to get into three for Thursday, three things that we want to get the conversation started with heading into week 10 in the nfl i mistakenly said week nine before and guys why don't we start with this one we talked a lot yesterday about cj stroud so dad yes or no cj stroud and the houston texans are going to ride the momentum of their comeback win over tampa bay and upset the cincinnati Bengals this week uh, I'm going to give that a firm no on that, even though I like what Houston is doing in the long run of this and what certainly C.J. Stroud is doing. Uh, but they have, they have a good run defense, but that's not really the worry uh, when you're playing against Cincinnati. It's the pass, and they're, they're in the 20s uh, in pass defense. Houston doesn't have a great running a game to control the clock. So they're not there yet. They're not there from that running standpoint. They're not there yet from the defensive standpoint. They'll get there, right? You got a couple of nice young receivers and Nico Collins and Tank Dell. You know, so you're you're building uh, a lot. I like what they're building in Houston, but I don't think they can get past now. Cincinnati is hitting its stride. Now, I know Chase has the back. That was one of those hard landings, man, that you see in basketball where you just hit yeah. nothing but flat on your back on that hardwood court. Looks, looks like it's just miserable. He did that on the football field, so he's iffy on that one. But I just think that offense is hitting their stride really well right now, and I don't see a hiccup at this point. Again, I like Houston. I like what they're doing. They're going in the right direction. But I think they're catching Cincinnati now at a time when they're hitting their stride, certainly offensively, defensively, see them playing well as well. So while Houston is getting better and is going to get better and being a really good story this year, I don't think it happens this game. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. Like, obviously, the Cincinnati Bengals are ascending to the point where when we get to that NFL playoff conversation with Fitz, they're going to be in the conversation for one of the top, if not the top team in football, based on how they're playing right now. We understand the record right. not indicative because of the first quarter of their season, but just off how they're playing right now, the eye test portion of things, they're winning a lot of that because of Joe Burrow, because of Luana Rumo and the defense, and how they're able to tailor these bespoke game plans every week as well as anybody in the NFL. The one thing I'll push back on, Dad, is Houston. I, I guess I, I don't. I understand that eventually being able to supplement with a run game is going to help, but they've yeah. won plenty of games without it. Like CJ Stroud has yeah. been that good without the benefit of any run game there. And remember, at the beginning of the season, they were dealing with injury up front of their offensive line. Tyus Howard, Laramie Tunsil, both missed time in the early portion of the season, and they were able to overcome a lot of that. And so I, I think what we've seen of that offense, they could get by. The number is interesting for them. They're about a touchdown underdog, I believe, in this game, favored by seven points as of Wednesday afternoon so that might be interesting but no I'm with you I think Joe Burrow and the Bengals keep this going I, I saw this stat from Mina Kimes that's kind of, of indicative of where Joe Burrow is now and why this team is doing so much better because Joe Burrow being able to create for them outside of the body of the play we talk about this with the great quarterbacks all the time is huge um, Mina tweeted this yesterday in the first month of the season Joe Burrow's completion percentage over expectation on throws that were over two and a half seconds so two and a half seconds always kind of that line of demarcation of oh you're getting the ball out on time things are going pretty well his completion percentage over expectation on those throws was 33rd in the NFL it was minus 7.4 percent since then he is first in the NFL with 15 percent complete over completion percentage expectation so he's been great once it breaks down, once he breaks outside of the pockets, I don't know how many times anecdotally last game, Dad, we saw Joe, Joe Burrow break the pocket, roll right, and hit T. Higgins right. down the field along yep. the sideline. That's always when where he's at his best. That's where the magic of Joe Burrow is, and it's reflected in the stat there. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, I, I, I'm with you. Um, I just – so we, we both said no on this All one, right. right? So we're both, both All right, going so with Cincinnati. All right, so we agree there. Jesse, let's move on to our next question here. And this one uh, pertains to the quarterback change that's now been made official in Tennessee. Yeah, that's right. Titans head coach Mike Vrabel making it official Tuesday, announcing Will Levis is going to be the team's starting quarterback moving forward. Now, according to Levis, Ryan Tannehill has taken a step back, like allowed Levis to really take control of this offense and practice and stuff. But Tannehill did get candid with the media earlier in the week, um, you know, saying he took this news pretty hard. But it's hard. I mean, never been in this situation before, so, you know, it hits hard. Never a situation that anyone wants to be in. Um, but it's a situation I'm in, so got to walk through it. I want to handle it, the situation with class, right? It's not a fun situation to be in, but uh, I want to be a pro and, and handle it with class and, um, you know, still be a guy that, that people can look to. So, um, you know, not an ideal situation, but, you know, I want to try to handle it well. Okay, so <laughs> yes yeah. or no, Will Levis is going to reward Mike Vrabel's confidence in him by keeping the Titans in the AFC South race. Also, how do we feel about, you know, Tannehill's comments? Obviously, he's human, right? I mean, come on. Yes. Yeah. I mean, listen, we have all been trying to replace Tannehill as the quarterback of the Tennessee Titans for the last three years, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this goes all the way back when he was picked, what, number seven? by the Miami Dolphins and everybody was like, oh my God, you know, how does this guy go number seven? And he just keeps plotting along, you know, and we kept saying that's what's holding Tennessee back. They have a great running game. Vrabel always has a great defense. You know, they don't have that passing attack that can get him past a certain point in the playoffs. So we've been trying, it's, it's kind of like with Dallas, you know, people in Dallas trying to replace Romo all the time. And it's always like, well, what are you going to? What are you going to? You tried Malik Willis. It didn't, it didn't happen when, in the, in in a short time that he had as well. And then Will Levis comes in and lights it up. So he's all of a sudden, hey, do we have a guy now that can throw the ball that we can say, hey, we have a passing game to go along with King Henry in the running game. Uh, so all that being said, um, I do not, I'm going to say no to this one as well, Mike. They're sitting there right now, three games behind Jacksonville. I know Jack and we're going to talk about Jacksonville as San Francisco coming up. But I, I certainly like what Levis is doing, and you do have Derrick Henry to help with the running, rushing attack, uh, which will help Levis. Let's be honest, though, at this point, that defense for Tennessee that we always say is a tough defense 
isn't what it's been just yet. Not saying they can't get there at some point this year, but it hasn't been kind of that, oh, that's a Mike Vrabel defense. You know what they're going to do and and dominate you. I, I think it's been a little more inconsistent this year, and that's something that certainly could help Will Levis because when I immediately saw or first saw this question, I immediately thought, well, yes, because of the division. You know, that it's not a great division. Sure. But yeah. Jacksonville already three games ahead of them. So I just I, I just don't think that they're going to stay, you know, up have a chance at, at this div- division title. I also don't think that's the goal right now once you've turned the reins over to Will Levis. Yeah, that's I agree. Ex- not the expectation anymore for how you're doing this. I think a lot of people can sort of take a page when it comes to grooming your starting quarterback as a rookie out of what Greg Popovich has sounded like talking about in the NBA with Victor Wembanyama. There's a very long-term approach to what you're building there because, Dad, they're also trying to reckon with, hey, is Traylon Burks you know, going to be available going forward? Scary moment for him in the injury in the Pittsburgh Steelers right. game. One of your receiving weapons in that offense. We know the DeAndre Hopkins connection lit up in that first game for Will Levis, but it's not always going to be that easy, and that's still a team we know has limitations on the other parts of that that offense let alone with breaking in a rookie so no I'd agree I, I don't think he rewards it in that way but I don't think that's the measure of it going forward the Tannehill Agreed. comments were yep. interesting in that it sounded like he was trying to convince himself that he was going to handle it that way I saw a lot of people recirculating the quotes from Ryan Tannehill from when Malik Willis got drafted there that said it was not my job to mentor him I remember those going right. viral at the time and Dan I think people made a big deal about that because it's the quarterback spot where you know that's just the game like not every veteran is going to be one who's inclined to feel like they want to mentor the guy coming up under them a lot of guys have that attitude I was fortunate when I was a young player trying to break into the league to have veterans that were willing to put an arm around me but this is people trying to feed their family week in and week out so I don't begrudge guys who say it's not my responsibility to do that my responsibility is to ball for us but boy when 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 you get someone that that does help you though I listen I was a 10th rounder uh, for the Houston Oilers, and Mike Stendrud was the starting nose tackle then, and he ended up losing his job. Um, and but he was, and he saw it coming during camp. But he was, it was incredible to be so helpful the way he was in meetings and on the field. So it's really cool when that happens. And you're right, it's not owed. There, you know, if if you want to learn from somebody by watching them, and I think. It sounds harsh sometimes. It's my, not my job to mentor. But what you're really, really saying is, listen, if you want to learn from me, watch me. Right? Watch me. And sure. that's what I did. Exactly. That was my dad, it was my dad's line to me and my line to you guys. Keep your mouth shut and your ears and your eyes open. Learn from the people who have made it already and are there. And that's what I did. But I also had a guy who was so great in helping along the way. Shout out to Ramon Foster, Steelers offensive guard, was the same guy for me. I didn't there you go. it as well, but, you know, that's a story for another day. Uh, Dad, let's get to one more question here. Yes or no, after this week, the Seattle Seahawks will be on top of the NFC West right now. This is obviously twofold. The 49ers have lost three straight. Seattle hosts the Washington Commanders after getting their asses whooped by the Ravens. How do we feel about this? Yes, no, maybe <laughs> can can that be an answer i, I mean i know overall i no, know i know i know answer i i think i think san francisco's a, the better team even though they've lost three straight uh we, we, seattle we know surprised a lot of us last year by making it uh to the playoffs you love what you see out of the uh, the receivers with Lockett and Smith and Jigba and Metcalf, uh, who they have are their three leading receivers. Now, Geno Smith, nine touchdowns, seven interceptions. That certainly has not been as good as that breakout year he had last year. I do like Walker uh, at the running back position. Again, the defense I worry about at times uh, for them. But they're, th- here's the thing. They're money at home. And they're taking on Washington, who's flying cross-country to get there. So I like them in this win. I also, and then San Francisco is going all the way to Jacksonville. But San Fran, you got to believe, Mike, at some point is going to start making up for the three losses in a row and just how they've been playing. Is it going to be this week? If you, you know, hold me to this one, I think that the, the possibility if one loses and one doesn't, 
I, I think they both could win this, but it would be San Fran would lose in Jacksonville and Seattle would win in Seattle. So push comes to shove. I would probably lean toward after this week, Seattle could be in first place. Let me show you how you do this one. Uh, no, the okay. Seattle Seahawks will not be on top of the NFC West after this week. The 49ers will okay. remain on top of the NFC West because I think both teams are going to get a win here. Seattle, very interesting in that matchup. So they're tied it's then. Be the trade reaction. Yeah, they're tied on top there, which means, but right okay. now the 49ers sit technically on top. When you pull up the little standing things, the 49ers are listed on top right now, even though they're tied. And so for Seattle to be on top of the NFC West, they would need to win and the 49ers would need to lose. Would oh, they not? I, I went by the wins and such, not by the tiebreakers. Okay, whatever, whatever, I mean, smart you, boy. The question is basically, do you think the 49ers are going to win or lose? Do you think the Seahawks are going to win or lose? I think both Maybe. win. I don't think anything Maybe. changes. Boom roasted. Maybe. <laughs> Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings, and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Let's get an update on As the Stallion Turns, okay? AKA <laughs> our very own college football soap opera drama. So we have this coming out, our most recent update here. Dan Murphy on Twitter confirmed with the source tonight that Michigan has filed a 10-page response to the Big Ten focused on due process and laying the groundwork for a potential lawsuit if the conference punishes the football program. Guys, I feel like this gets more convoluted every day. Every time we get an update, there's another lawsuit. Somebody's coming out of the woodwork. Connor Stallions is becoming more unbelievable by the day. Uh, what's our take on this latest development? <laughs> our take on this latest development is lawyers are about to get paid Ooh, right now. I mean, um, we've, we've, it, we've reached the billable hours portion of the proceedings right now. I did appreciate Spicy Michigan. Because in the letter they sent to the Big Ten, Dad, Michigan offered this reminder to Tony Petiti, the new Big Ten commissioner, and the rest of the office there. They said in the letter, quote, The conference should act cautiously when setting precedent, given the reality that in-person scouting, collusion among opponents, and other questionable practices may well be far more prevalent than believed. They basically said, you're about to F around and find out if you're not real careful well, here. I mean, we anybody who has played and or coached has commented on this, and we have all said, and we are all correct, this happens all the time, sign stealing. But there are things you can do that are legal and things where you cross the line and are then against the rules that are written. And when that happens and you get caught, you have to pay the price. So I'm done saying everybody does it because everybody does it. Everybody does it. They try and find a way, but there are legal ways to steal. Is it honor amongst thieves? However you want to say it. You know, and then one school, you know, or schools passing it to another school that's going to play a school, so you have the signals. I don't know where that falls. Is that going to fall in the sportsmanship thing? That's, that's the thing Purdue, the by road? the way, for anyone yeah, trying yeah. to get the dad reference there. Right. That's the Purdue Boilermaker <laughs> reference right. in this that apparently so, they have been accused of colluding with other schools to steal Michigan's well, so what, because no one's handled it. So what do you what, what you going to do with that i mean that that is nothing more than a slap on the wrist and don't do it again if anything so if you want to stop that so i continue to say this goes on all the time and it's in a legal way except the way they were the way michigan did it so we continue on so and, and that is the one way so should other schools be careful of what they bring up because they're stealing signs as well but again, they're doing it without breaking the written rule that has been written about this, like Michigan is. So, and you, but you're right, Mike. This is now going to be the lawyers because now you're getting if Tony Petiti, the new Big Ten commissioner, 
Uh, if he does anything disciplinary action, look for Michigan to file an injunction or a restraining order. If he does anything yep. over two-game suspension, it is it is de- declared a major uh, disciplinary action. Then it has to go to the uh, – let me get this right. It needs to get re- uh, approval from the Joint Group Executive Committee if it goes over two games. Uh, so they can either – uphold it or lessen it they can't give more games so uh, this is going this is now as you said going to hit the courts go ahead i wanted to ask you a question because you're right we've reached legal mumbo jumbo phase where everyone's eyes glaze over it's become an event that's been very fun and i want to say that this michigan fans you shouldn't care about this right no like if your team goes on and accomplishes what it's capable of doing right now do not let this dampen the joy of what's to come because the sands of time are going to erase the sting on this i don't think the further and further along we go the ncaa would do anything crazy like vacate what comes next although they could and if they should screw them because that's not a real punishment none of us actually acknowledge it you don't have to pretend to care about what they do there you can enjoy this for what it is but this has been funny as hell like we had the thing the other day about connor stallions apparently getting chirped by his hoa and having to represent himself in court where in defense for having a bunch of vacuum cleaners on his house and being accused of operating a business where he refurbished vacuum cleaners out of his house his response was he believes the person that reported him for this either dislikes him for being a military veteran or is a michigan state fan who dislikes him for being a michigan coach and that's how he referred to himself as a coach Coach. that is all funny he referred to himself as a michigan coach in the document where he represented himself in court like the way this man perceives himself is a fascinating study in and of itself but all of that is funny dad like i read that and laugh we should have a good time with that with the guy with the porn name slinging vacuum cleaners out of his house and, oh, by the way, it included their their star running back, Blake Corum, for a bit, whose name was on the LLC with, you know, the porn name Connor Stallions as well. And Blake's like, hold on, you know, I'm getting I'm getting my people involved in, in this one. Yeah. So it, I, I'm with you. It's it's been funny, but it's now it's going to get past the funny stage because it is, it's going to get to lawyer terms and lawyer billing and all that kind of stuff and and i agree with you michigan fans don't worry about it if you're a little nervous about how you should feel call a new england patriot fan see how see if deflate gate or spy gate affected their love at all for the fact that they put rings on their fingers if michigan is to go on and win the national championship do not think twice that it is tainted or anything enjoy it and I think that's part of this, Dad, is a lot of people are worried about perception of this. Yes. And that's what Michigan is basically threatening with this letter. It's like, hey, if you think people are going to look at us funny for this, wait until everyone gets a whiff of all the other stuff that's going on. If it's just about the integrity of the game stuff. Dad, we've heard two words thrown around a lot in the last few days. I think I saw Desmond Howard mention this outside the White House when he was there with that group talking about student-athlete right. rights. Mm-hmm. Due process for Michigan. We've talked a lot about in the show that – some people have theorized, I brought up Peter Burns suggesting the other day that Michigan suspend Jim Harbaugh for the next two games, they let this legal injunction go into play, and then they kind of move this off to the side. But some people have pointed out that if you go out now, and I saw Dominique Foxworth, I thought, make this point really well from a former union representative perspective about this idea of setting precedent of if you go in now and you're Tony Petiti and you're rushing and do the Roger Goodell of it all, where you're going to punish because everyone's putting pressure right. on you and you feel like you got to do something something and you ignore the process that you're supposed to go through for this dad does that do more harm than good right now if you're tony petiti going about it that way well i I think there is a there there is a part of being careful of doing something right away and then all the other stuff that may come out now we sit there and talk about all the other stuff that might come out mike i don't think any of the other stuff coming out is going to be illegal or against the rules though when you have a sportsmanship rule, that is a serious gray area. So all of a sudden, if Tony Petiti now has to deal with, well, these three schools called this school to let them know what the signals were against this other school, is that breaking the sportsmanship rule? Now Tony Petiti's going to have to deal with that. So I understand about rushing into something and what the domino effect what on that is going to be um so his his choices are do it 
or say we're going to let the NCAA play this thing out. And in all honesty, Mike, if he suspends Jim Harbaugh for two games, are the ADs and the Big Ten, the Big Ten ADs and the Big Ten coaches are all got on that call and yelled at Tony Petiti and complained and moaned to Tony Petiti? Will they be satisfied if they hear a two-game suspension? Will they be like, okay, that's good by us? I, I think they want them out of the postseason. And I, I think at the very least, so I don't think a two-game suspension satisfies what they want out of this. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I, I go back and forth on it, if I'm going to be honest, Dad. But the more and more I hear, you could argue for that. I think ultimately if they tried to suspend for two games, that would at least seem like action to people and you'd be able to move on from there. I think the biggest takeaway is whatever happens, Tony Petiti is going to come out and be very clear and decisive. And then there's got to be a huddle about keeping the rest of this in-house right now. you yeah. got to get control of your locker room if you're Tony Petiti. This is for what years in the SEC with Mike Slive they were so good at was, hey, we're going to keep family business and infighting behind closed doors because projecting this out to the rest of the world makes us look messy and makes us look weak and when you're supposed to be one of the power two conferences marching forward into the future of college football that ain't supposed to be you yeah it'll stay out it'll stay in house really well if any discipline goes down and then at every press conference of every coach in the big 10 is asked questions about this to see what their reaction is that's going to be gold and then they've got to have the marching line in the company order to say hey we're moving on from this right now we understand that this is a part of it whatever canned answer they want to give they need to have ready It's the most wonderful time of the year. March Madness, getting ready to go in college basketball. And we got some of the best stars in the sport finally trying to close the deal. Zach Eady at Purdue trying to see if he can cap off an historic career with the championship. Much like his counterpart on the women's side and Caitlin Clark, who's been one of the biggest names in sports this entire year and is looking to see if she can snag that elusive championship that's eluded her during her career. Regardless of who makes it to that final game of the tourney, though, one thing's for certain. It's going to take the most talented people like the two I just mentioned working together to help these teams play at a high level. If you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. How do you find them? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter uses matching technology to score excellent candidates for your job. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And once you review your list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It is Thursday, and you know what that means. Thursday night football on Prime. Baby, it is on. Getting ready to kick off week 10 this evening. So, guys, Bears, Panthers, two teams who are uh, not doing great, to say the least, here. Um, So we spoke to Andrew Whitworth on what to kind of expect in this battle of the cellar dwellers. Take a look. You look at Bryce Young's situation, it's a young line for the most part. You know, one of his veterans, Austin Corbett, just came back in recent weeks. Um, You know, so I think that it's really one of those things that offensively they're struggling and he needs somebody there that's like, hey, man, listen, here's some little things that we can be better at. Let's let's get off of the win and loss thing and let's just find those little nuances that we could do better as an offense. Guys, uh, this game ultimately more likely to matter for draft positioning than, uh, you know, anything else. Yeah. But uh, how do we feel going into this one? Uh, not great. Uh, this is uh, a true sickos bowl for the ages right now. DJ Chark, uh, questionable for this game. Brian Burns, the star pass rusher for the Panthers, out in this game right now. So this is going to be, I'd imagine, a lot of conversation on that broadcast uh, with her, Kirk Street, especially there with Al Michaels, talking about the future draft prospects that either of these teams could bring into their organization, especially on the quarterback front if you're the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I mean, l- listen, remember the Bears have the, the Carolinas pick, right? So the Bears are good either way in this game. If they lose, their yeah. draft pick goes better. If, if Carolina, if they beat Carolina, Carolina's draft pick is better, and 
the Bears get it. <laughs> so they're they're in pretty good shape. The the one thing you could have looked forward to in this game is there's the continuing evaluation of Justin Fields. Is he going to be the guy going forward? But they can't evaluate that now because he hasn't been on the field. He's still got the thumb issue going on. Tyson Bajant uh, is looking to play again in this one. So that's the one thing holding back Mike on Chicago unless they've made their decision already which which obviously I don't know you know between Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus of what what may be going on with one of them or both of them moving forward with this team because with Carolina we know it's Bryce Young we know that they're going to build around it I mean the the difference right now of what he's thrown to Adam Thielen leads them with 62 receptions the next closest is Jonathan Mingo with 20 and they have a bunch of guys in the team, so it is so I'm looking to one guy right now. So they need other weapons, and Bryce Young needs to grow along with this, obviously, and spread it out as best he can while playing behind a line that has some injuries as well. So he is truly falling into that top high pick quarterback with problems on the team to fix, which makes the C.J. Stroud thing, who was only picked one slot later, make you really continue to go wow at what he's doing but we all we I think we both believe he's got a little better of a team around him uh as they sit four and four and he's only thrown one interception to me that that's been the key where are we at with Bryce I think uh, um uh, eight touchdowns seven interceptions but that's that's expected so with Carolina it's just another step in what we know is going to be this guy at quarterback, the Bears are going to go the rest of the year with, well, it's tough to even evaluate this guy, Justin Fields, because he's not even on the field for us. So what do we do? Well, we're getting a great look at Tyson Bajan, but let's also be honest, Tyson Bajan isn't going to be the quarterback of the future of this Bears team either. Um, So they're, they're a team kind of in spinning their wheels of what direction are we going to go? I think that's the problem in this matchup is, at least for the Panthers, and if you're a Panthers fan, you kind of know, all right, we got yeah. work to do offensive line-wise here. Ikki Aquanu, their top overall pick from a couple of years ago, has had a really rough season at left tackle for a while. Chandler Zavala, their guard, was leading the NFL in pressures allowed. It's been areas where you thought might be a strength for this team have showed up and affected their quarterback in a negative way you talk to people around there and there's still a lot of belief that Bryce Young is the guy and dad you at right. least get to go forward this offseason with that in mind you've got a clear right. plan yep. of hey we got to add weapons around our star quarterback we got to do everything we can to give him a shot that is our charge for the Bears you're in this weird limbo right now and we've seen a lot of the moves that Ryan Poles has made around the deadline the last couple of years sort of reflect that where they had the trade this year to get Montez Sweat last year it was Chase Claypool giving up a third rounder for him where the of all seemed like moves of a team that's trying to thread the needle of well we kind of want to compete now and add some stuff and we're kind of trying to evaluate the quarterback but he's hurting so now we can't even do that and at some point dad that best ability is availability thing can't make the club in the tub thing at some point if you get to a certain point it sounds like you know after a really awkward press conference this week Matt Eberflus has said yeah well Justin Fields is progressing but we still haven't gotten him medically cleared by the staff to go out there and play so he's doubtful at a certain point in the back half of the season internally you're going to have to make up your mind one way or the other about what you're going to do going forward because the availability factoring into this coupled with your opportunity at the top of the draft means you've got to start to be decisive if nothing else dad for self-preservation for ryan poles especially in company to say all right my jobs are on the line now i'm going to be judged based off how this happened and at the very least people usually make decisions in the best interest of themselves yeah, and listen, so this is going to be the question, obviously, is the quarterback position. So what can Chicago do is try and make yourselves better in other areas, knowing that even if you keep Justin Fields, you're on a rookie contract. If you draft a new quarterback, obviously you're on a rookie contract. You brought in Montez Sweat in the trade. You paid him as well. You're a defense that's been top three or four against the run this year, not good against the pass, only have 10 sacks, one of the reasons you traded for a Montez Sweat. So you got to get some more pressure, just six interceptions. you got to ball hawk a little more as well. So now they, they do have the ability to tinker 
tweaker around the quarterback position, given that one is on, uh, on a rookie contract, and if they went away, the next would be on one as well. So that would be it for me. They're going to have to make a decision on the quarterback, and that's going to be pretty finite of, okay, we're going to get a top pick. We know it's going to be one of these two quarterbacks. Where Where is the tinkering and the rest of the team to try and make this a better team around whatever quarterback is going to be there? We talk about offensive line a lot, too. I think for the Bears, if you're looking for places to feel heartened, Darnell Wright, Tevin Jenkins, the right side of that offensive line have looked really good as of late, especially Jenkins, who moved back and forth from tackle to guard for a while, dealt with some injury in prior seasons, has looked really good for them going back to this past weekend. And so you've started to hit in some of those places now. DJ Moore, especially in Justin Fields' best games, most of those games, the argument you can make if you're evaluating is they seemed like more DJ Moore games. We all go back to the Washington game because I believe that was in prime time with everybody watching. That game was a DJ Moore bigger, faster, stronger game where he was just going yeah. out there, getting loose against small wide receivers and making plays happen, which is what you'd want and expect from a number one wide receiver. So all of this discourse should tell you this is probably going to be a messy, sloppy game tonight. I hope for Herbie yeah. and Al's sake that they somehow get a better game, but I have a feeling, Dad, we're on track for a very disgusted Al Michaels in the second half of this game is his yeah. disdain for bad football. He can't even hide it anymore at this point. Yeah, I don't blame him. He doesn't. And, and yeah, listen, hopefully it turns out to be a more competitive game than we think. I mean, we all didn't think the Jets-Giants game was going to be as ugly as it was. So maybe, and we're going into this game thinking it's going to be ugly, so we, maybe it will didn't? surprise us. Well, not not as bad as it was. That that was that went beyond. Oh, no, listen, nobody thought like three of thirty-four on third down conversion to twenty-four punts. If you had that, you know, on your on your DraftKings sportsbook, then hey, more power to you if you pulled that one. Congratulations on being rich. But uh, nobody saw it being that bad. We're going into this one thinking it's going to be that bad. So hopefully, we can get surprised on the other side. I tell you what's really bad is anybody watching now sees you're in a different shirt. You're disgusting. You had a lot of meat at Fogo to Chow last night. Uh, you have the meat sweats. Do we do we have that picture of when Mike was getting up in the shirt that he was wearing? Look at the wow. back sweat. This was 20 minutes into the show. Yeah, I'd... He had back sweat. His pits were all pitted out. I mean, it was disgusting. So he's changed into the, the muscle shirt thing, and he's probably going to sweat that out. That is going to be worse than any game we get tonight, quite honestly. Your it's sweat. It's rough. It's rough. Yeah. yeah. I can yeah. see Isn't why Jesse? Yeah. goes with the sleeveless shirt now. This is way more comfortable. I feel free. I feel airy. Pat, listen, he's made a lot of really great business decisions, but convincing everybody <laughs> that, this, that this is the uniform each and every day, that's a man after my own heart. Coming up next, we'll check in with our large adult son, Victor. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Dylan Brooks has been trash-talking LeBron since he was on the Grizzlies, okay? And he continued the trend prior to the Lakers taking on his new team, the Rockets, last night. Take a listen. Ready to lock him up. Um, been shooting the ball well, he's been playing well, so I'm just there to uh, make him tired, uh, make him get into that you know, fourth quarter early. I mean, he kind of did lock LeBron up as much as anybody can lock up LeBron James. Okay, so Braun had 18 points, 7 of 13 for shooting. Didn't play in the fourth quarter because the game was just totally out of hand. Rockets taking the W, 128 to 94. Uh, Keep in mind, he was averaging like 25 points per game heading into Wednesday night. So he did. I would say that he, you know, Dylan Brooks accomplished what he was looking to do. Well, I, it, this was also a game that got out of hand, right? I mean, it's, what, 64-45 at half. Though big leads in the NBA don't mean much. You see teams come back all the time. But this one got out of hand, so I don't know if we saw the true go for the dagger LeBron in this one. But, Mike, I'll say, hey, for Brooks, for Dylan Brooks, 
Keep firing away, man. I mean, you, you've, you've sold yourself as this guy. Don't back away from it, right? I mean, a lot of people jumping on him last year. He goes to Houston, gets, what, four for 86, so he's making over $21 million a year. Mm-hmm. And he's sticking to his guns, man. I'm going to lock him up. You know, he's, he doesn't back down. So I give him that. Be who you are, and he certainly has been doing that. But at the end of the day, Jalen Green took over in this game. Jalen Green was a monster in this one with 28, 11 of 15 from the field. I think five of six from three-point land so from a game standpoint he was the one that really took over but everybody was looking at this little battle within the game with Brooks and LeBron it's because Dylan Brooks is such a weirdo about how he presents himself in the beginning yeah. of these games. Those awkward stare downs were, at the, and this is multiple games where he's done it, where he'll go over to the other team's side of the court while they're shooting around and he'll just stare at the guy that he's going to yeah. do. I've yeah. seen everyone talk about how it looks like a Japanese anime showdown where they stand there for like three episodes worth of real time. The funny part is, Dad, for him, I got to imagine, and this is a good reminder to everybody, is... The bottom line, especially in sports, is incentivizing what you do. Dylan Brooks was paid handsomely to be exactly who he was. We looked yes. at him in a couple of critical moments in Memphis and critical games, and we all got jokes off, and I think rightly so in some of those spots. But I remember J.J. Reddick going off about this, and it was true then and it's true now, is that guy with what he is asked to do is very good at that role. He's an agitator. Right. He's someone who plays compelling right. defense and can affect the outcome of a game with that, even if offensively he's not going to be as much of a help. And while this is not totally the Dylan Brooks effect, I got to imagine it's very, very satisfying for Dylan Brooks to sit there right now at sixth in the Western Conference standings at four and three and look all the way down at the bottom of the conference and see the one and seven Memphis Grizzlies, who I get it, don't have John Morant right now either, but are struggling right now. Revenge is one of those things where, uh, what is it, the best revenge is living good. Right now, Dylan Brooks has some of that going on in Houston. Yeah, listen, he is. He's averaging just under 15 points a game. I think he only had five last night, but I throw out a lot of last night because the game was just out of out of reach. But when you go to the and first look, are two any of us possessions, really measuring Dylan Brooks by points either. It's, exactly, we're right. measuring Dylan we, we, Brooks by what he does affecting guys like by, LeBron James by agitation. Because you look at the first play, uh, LeBron backed him down and scored. The second play, LeBron tried to, to spin move, and the and the ball went out of bounds. And Dylan Brooks stood there and screamed, you know, at the crowd like you know. Like Gladiator, like Russell Crowe, like, are you entertained? You know, I mean, it was hilarious right out of the I, gate. I love Dylan Brooks for having that level of confidence in himself because yeah. anyone else going through what Dylan Brooks, the level of bear poking that he did, the F around and find out that he was a victim of, would have shelled anybody else up. Yeah. But again, yeah. when someone hands you that kind of check and says, this is who we want you to be, it's a lot easier to look in the mirror and go, Oh, you know what? They're wrong. I'm right because yeah, my yeah. way of doing uh-huh. it got me paid this much money. He's got exactly big defensive right. back energy, and that's how you go out there and get it done. So uh, kudos to Dylan Brooks in that matchup there. Dad, uh, unfortunately, the association, outside of a good late window game with Golden State and the Denver Nuggets, featured yeah. blowouts in the ones that we were paying attention to. Jesse, we had our large front French son making his first pilgrimage to New York to go to Madison Square Garden, and uh, that was grand opening grand closing very quick yeah it was a difficult msg debut for victor webinyama held to 14 points spurs losing 126 to 105 so not great uh here's what he had to say about it post game i'm starting to get used a little bit to to the rhythm so the day was just like another away game you know and uh yeah it's it's a uh, it's a chance to be able to play in uh, such a such a great arena, and uh, yeah, we we did have a tough, a rough start collectively, and um, yeah, it's but we're, we're young, you know, the youngest team in the league, so we're learning as a young team and any team really. We're gonna go through losing streaks someday during season through tough times, and it's it's gonna happen. But the the, the most important is how we bounce back. These comments coming after uh, during the shoot around, he was like. Yeah, it's not as big as I thought it was in here. He was like, it's pretty nice, but uh, not as big as I thought it would be. Nice barn you got here. Yeah, 
like, it's like Hoosiers. You had measuring the, the hoop and everything. Well, it's, a, it's an actual regulation size basketball court. Who I was knew? like, but, listen, man, everything's going to seem smaller to you because you're so tall. Yeah. Okay. Because you're seven four. I was going to say, that's listen, a him thing. It's yeah. all a dollhouse to him. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, yes. Yes. And you know what? He, he, he had a rough game. And even Popovich said after the game, listen, it's not about the wins and losses now. It's about him maturing and growing and learning. You know, when he's dribbling at the top of the key, getting his pocket picked. You know, guys figuring things out on him a little bit. Just a bad shooting night. 0 for 6 from three-point land. It was just, he's right. They're young. They're learning. So it's going to take some time. He just had that monster game so early in the season. It was like, oh my God, are we going to get this every single night? No, we're not going to get it every single night. I think he's the first one to understand that. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z reference for everybody here. Victor Wembanyama's Gohan, you're going to see flashes of the greatest power that we've ever seen, and then you're going to see him ride the rails a little bit, go up and down. I, I think this is good, though. That's healthy for us, Dad, coming off that 38-point game to see, oh, in this game last night, didn't score his first field goal until towards the end of the third quarter. Isaiah Hartenstein, Mitchell Robinson beat him up on the block, and that's what we expected right now. He's still on the thinner side. He's like early stage Giannis in that regard. You saw some of the flashes of fun stuff at the end. I think as much as anything, Dad, what I've enjoyed about the Victor Wembanyama experience so far, and this is all anecdotal, but with the comments that we've heard, even with how he presents himself in those in-game interviews now, we are seeing a more father figure-ish Greg Popovich publicly. Yes, Like, I think yes. we've always seen him putting the yep. arm around Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker. Like, there was clear love and respect with those guys, but the fire and brimstone version of Pop has come out a lot less often so far, because he reads the room really well. There's so many great things about Pop's leadership, what he is as a coach, but the ability to see the differences in every situation and understand what they call for, it seems like he's met this challenge with a different approach for him than we've seen. And part of it's like really heartwarming. He does seem like a very loving yeah. dad out there right now with this player especially. I agree. I agree. That's one of the, I think, a great attributes of a coach is to be able to read your team. Do they need an arm around their shoulder? Or do they need a kick in the butt? You know, and which am I going to deliver? And we know he's been able to deliver the kick in the butt for sure, but he does the other side of it and realizes this is where he is right now, and it would do me no good to be yelling and screaming or doing the butt kicking right now. So that is, the, I think, the sign, without question, of, of a great coach. So we'll see how the year goes, but we don't expect San Antonio, you know, to be this dominant team. We got a couple of decent ones last night with Golden State and Denver, a three-point game where Clay Thompson can't get a, a three-pointer off in time to tie it. And you got to three-point game with Philadelphia and Boston where Philly has double-digit lead there and all of a sudden Boston almost makes it all the way back in that one but Philly hangs on I think Embiid went for 27 and 10 or something something in the area of that uh, but so from the teams that we expect to be Whoa. at the top we had a couple of decent ones last night and we had the most embarrassing ejection I have ever seen with Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis goes down, gets a great poster dunk, stares the off defender down for a split second, and then gets his yeah. second technical of the game and Horrible. gets tossed. That is ridiculous. I can him. tell you this. If that's the standard for ejection, man, if you gave me the ability to dunk like Giannis, I'd get ejected from every game because I'd be staring <laughs> people down for much. I'd look like Dylan freaking Brooks after that dunk staring him down that official in the NBA should be ashamed of themselves what a joke that was I agree I agree could not say anything more than that I agree I left you a lot of time there enjoy it every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.